forever. Dog. Okay, Jesus, thanks, thanks. You can, you can end the song. Sorry, stop the song. It's fine, Jesus. Thanks. Uh, Hello, everyone. Welcome to Godcast. I am God. Now is always very proud to be your God. I, I hope you all all know that. I'm joined as always by Joan of Arc. Hey. So, I know a lot of you are feeling angry right now, hurt, disappointed, confused. I get it. I know a lot of my regular listeners are refusing to listen at all after yesterday's press conference. Before we proceed, I want to replay that. I know you've all heard it a dozen times already, but I do feel as if I should own it by playing it here on, on my show. Good eternity. I'm going to read a brief statement and that's it. No questions, just prayers. This week, a research scientist at the CERN lab in Switzerland alleged that after reviewing some photographs, he'd found proof this universe was but one of a virtually infinite number of multiple universes for whose creation, he claimed, I was responsible. While I strongly deny a number of his charges, including the electrical charges related to the subatomic particle's strong interactions in quantum chromodynamics, I am here to confirm that I have associated with other universes in the past and in some cases, banged them. These bangs happened long ago. They were nothing more than a series of one-dimensional stands for me. Nevertheless, in an attempt to be a responsible Heavenly Father, I have visited these cosmoses regularly since their initial conception to tend to the quintillions of living creatures that resulted from these encounters. I recognize this news may come as a shock to the faithful who no doubt expected me to be faithful in return. All I can say is, like all of us, I am flawed. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, but flawed. To those of you who are disappointed, please know I plan on devoting the next few centuries to working hard to earn back the trust and goodwill I never really earned to begin with. Thank you. I also want to thank my crisis management team for helping me draft that statement. Yes, they they worked very hard. It was artfully worded. Well, they've had a lot of practice, Joan. You know, prodigious amounts of practice since... Practically the beginning. God? Yes, uh, Jesus. Yeah, uh, God, you, you you keep popping your peas. You know what I mean? You're popping your peas. Uh, just stop it. It, it sounds uh, so annoying. Duly noted, kiddo. Oh, hey, Jesus. Uh, how was your Easter? Oh, yeah, I forgot. It was your rebirthday on Sunday, boy. What would you do? Rise from the dead again? Uh, yes, yes. That's... uh. I rise from the dead again. Uh, it was uh, Easter, so I rise from... Uh, right now, it's just become a parlor trick. See, this uh, is why I don't get him so started. Boring. People it's say to big, me, hey, Jesus, rise from the dead. He's go, also making it about him. Like, I'm trying now. to apologize. He stole like all his thunder this weekend. He plays the piano. And you go, hey, can you play the piano at Or can you do that card trick? Or do that thing you do with your tongue. When he wants to be That's redeemed, so it's, it's all watch. well. But when I need and to so be I'm redeemed, no, guy, it's not. Like, oh, Zip uh, it. Uh, Jesus, uh, 
Uh, okay, thank you. Day. Okay, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You'd think, like, okay, I die once, and that would be fine. It wasn't fine. It was painful and everything. Now it's like, uh, uh, enough. Enough. Okay, well, thanks, Jesus. Great. Sounds like you had a, a fun weekend. Uh, so let's talk about the show, this week's show. Uh, and the guest, in a way, it works out pretty well. Our guest coming up is Dr. Michio Kaku who is as knowledgeable when it comes to alternate universes as just about anybody. So who knows? Maybe he can... Uh, uh, use theoretical physics. Do you provide a scientific rationalization for your moral inequity? Joan, you're, you're disappointed in me too, aren't you? Jesus, cue the prayer of the week. Prayer of the week! Okay, you know the drill. Each week I answer one and only one prayer... And for it to be considered, it must be left within a review of the show left on Apple Podcast. Joan, what's our prayer this week? Okay, uh, this week's prayer comes from, hey, that's me too. It's titled Quid Pro Quo, and it reads as follows. Thank you, my lord, for making yourself known in this fashion. Being as busy as you are, I find it admirable that you spend your valuable time in this way. He thinks I'm admirable, Joan. He thinks I'm admirable. I can already tell I like this man. That was, he wrote this last week. That being said, in appreciation of this positive review, and yes, thank you, hey, that's me, can I beseech thee to let me win the lottery? All right. Uh, hey, that's me too. You caught me on a very bad day for me, but what's going to turn out to be a very lucky day for you, for the whole human race, in fact. As a way of saying I'm sorry for my recent behavior, this week... Not only will you win the lottery, everyone will win the lottery. Wow. Wow. Um, well, that, that, that is above and beyond, my lord. As I've said, I'm atoning. I want to do right by you, mankind. Well, that, that, is, that is amazing, lord. Um, it, it does raise a few uh, logistical questions, because, um, you know, there are thousands of lotteries in the world. So mm -hmm. uh, which one were you thinking about having? All of them, Joan. Everyone wins all of them. Oh, okay. Um, but for everyone to win, I mean, they, they'd all have to play the, the same numbers. Nope. You can play any numbers you like. Play whatever numbers you want. You'll still win. I'm God. Don't worry. I'm a numbers God. I can make it work. It's not, not a problem. Uh, not a hassle. Okay. Um, but of course, if, you know, if everyone wins the lottery, then nobody <laughs> would be rich. People would just all be at the, the same equal level again. So. Nope. I'm going to make it so that everybody will be equally rich, but simultaneously will feel richer than everyone else. Best of communism, best of capitalism, all rolled into one. Trust me, I'm God. I can swing it. So you're pretty much just earning people's loyalty with money. Is there a better way? Or... No. Damn Skippy. And that was Prayer of the Week. Prayer of the Week! Stay tuned to find out whether quantum physicist Dr. Michio Kaku is dead in a box or living and ready to be interviewed. My guest today is a professor of theoretical physics at the City University of New York, the host of many science specials on Discovery and the Science Channel, and the co-founder of String Field Theory, although I, of course, was the original founder. His new book, The God Equation, The Quest for a Theory of Everything, goes on sale next week. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Michio Kaku. Thank you so much for coming by, Dr. Kaku. My pleasure. 
Now, I'm going to conduct this conversation somewhat gingerly because obviously I know the mysteries of the universe. And just as obviously, I'm not going to share them with you, Dr. Kaku, because if I did, physics would be over and you'd be out of a job. But let's talk about the main premise of the book, the main conflict, the literally fundamental divide in the book is that between relativity, particularly as it pertains to gravity, and quantum theory. What is that divide? Well, first of all, all of biology and life can be summarized in the language of chemistry. All of chemistry can be summarized in the language of physics. Physics, in turn, can be typified by two theories. Hey, Jesus, pipe in a little planetarian music, would you? One is the theory of the very big, relativity, black holes and big bangs. The other theory is a theory of the very small, subatomic particles. The problem is these two theories don't like to talk to each other. It's like your left hand and your right hand don't coordinate, which is silly. Your left hand and right hand obviously coordinate, but that's not the way these two theories go. The greatest minds of humanity have tried to merge these two theories and have failed until recently. Recently, there's a new kid on the block, something called string theory, which is what I work on, that's what I do for a living, which seems to be able to merge these two theories into one grand theory, a theory of everything, the God equation. And that's what all the excitement is about. What in its essence is string theory? Well, it goes back 2000 years, back to Pythagoras, the great geometer, he noticed that a lyre string, when you pluck a lyre string, the longer the string, the lower the note. And then he began to write down the mathematics of music, resonances, thirds, fifths, harmonics. And then, 2,000 years ago, Pythagoras said that this explains the universe. Music is the only thing rich enough to explain everything. But of course, the Roman Empire fell apart, collapsed, and for 2,000 years, we were in darkness, until recently. Now we realize that when we smash protons apart, we get hundreds of subatomic particles. How can nature be so complicated? Well, they're nothing but musical notes. Each note on a string, tiny, tiny little string, is a particle. From a distance, it looks like a particle. Close up, it's actually a lyre string. So what is subatomic physics? the study of the notes of a string. What is physics? Physics is the harmonies of the string. What is chemistry? Chemistry is the melodies you can play on vibrating strings. What is the universe? The universe is a symphony of strings. And then what is the mind of God? Your mind. According to this theory, the mind of God would be cosmic music resonating through hyperspace. That would be the mind of God. Wow. So my mind, the mind of God, is cosmic music resonating through hyperspace. That's really cool. And all the musical notes correspond to all the subatomic particles, all the atoms, molecules. Everything can be represented in terms of vibrations. Take a look at the DNA molecule. We have four genes, four nucleic acids in the DNA molecule. That would be a string quartet. So a string quartet would represent the frequencies found in a DNA molecule, which in turn is the basis for life. So what we're trying to say is that everything, all of chemistry, 
all of physics, all of biology, all of astronomy, can be summarized in terms of an equation one inch long, perhaps. That's the ultimate simplicity, an equation one inch long that would summarize all the laws of nature. That is string theory. Whoa, my mind is amazing. I don't even know how I think of this stuff. It's, it's pretty far out. And then we have the quantum theory with thousands of subatomic particles. That takes about a page, a page of complex equations to write down the quantum theory of subatomic particles. What is amazing is that all the equations of the universe can be written down on one page. That's incredible. The universe could have been random. The universe could have been chaotic. The universe could have been messy. But here it is, elegant, simple. You can write it on a sheet of paper. And with string theory, we think we can get it down to one inch. Like, have you proved it as a theory? Or is it still, like, just a theory? Our machines are not powerful enough yet to create all the residences of the string. So what do we do? We look into outer space. In outer space, we find something called dark matter. Dark matter makes up most of the matter of the universe. Roughly 80% or so of the matter of the universe is invisible. Dark, dark matter. What is dark matter? We think dark matter is nothing but the next octave, the next set of vibrations of the string. You see, everything you see around you, all the vibrations you see around you, are the vibrations of a string in the lowest octave. But of course, there are higher octaves. And bingo, the next octave turns out to be invisible. And that, we think, is dark matter. The strangest matter, which makes up most of the universe. You know, high school textbooks say that the universe is made out of atoms. That's not quite true. Most of the universe is made out of dark matter, and string theory predicts dark matter. And doesn't string theory require like 10 dimensions or 11 dimensions or something? Because I heard that I made 10 or 11 dimensions and I, I was I, like, I don't remember making them. Like, so, like, where are they? Well, when I was a kid, I learned about the fourth dimension and I tried to leap, leap into the fourth dimension. And I came to the conclusion that we really live in a three-dimensional world. Our brains are three-dimensional. We have length, width, and height. But where is the fourth, fifth, or sixth dimensions, right? And so I began to think that, well, maybe evolution gave us a three-dimensional brain because we had to have one. We have to dodge three-dimensional tigers, three-dimensional lions. We never encounter a five-dimensional lion or a six-dimensional tiger. So evolution only gave us a brain that can visualize three dimensions. But you know, we have four fundamental forces, gravity, light, and the two nuclear forces, four. They don't like each other, but we think that you can unify these four forces in a higher dimension. In three dimensions, you try to put light with gravity together, doesn't work. You start to go to the fifth dimension and boom, they just fit together. You go to 11 dimensions, all of a sudden, all the dimensions wrap up and give you this beautiful, beautiful theory. I like to think of it this way. Let's say there's flatland, people that are two-dimensional that live on a tabletop, like cookie men. And one day there was a beautiful crystal that exploded, leaving all the fragments on flatland. And the flatlanders said, well, let's put it together. Let's put all these jigsaw puzzles together. After 2,000 years, they got two big crystals 
that combine together. One called relativity, the other one called the quantum theory. But these two crystal pieces did not fit together. That was a mystery. Then one day, one flattener had an idea, an outrageous idea. Why don't we move one crystal up, up into this imaginary dimension called the third dimension. And in three dimensions, the crystal forms one piece, a beautiful, gorgeous piece at the beginning of time. And let's call that the Big Bang. So the Big Bang was a bang in higher dimensions. We see fragments, fragments of it, and that's our three-dimensional world. Another way to look at it is as follows. When I was a child, my parents were Buddhists. And in Buddhism, there is no beginning, there's no end, there's only nirvana. But they put me in Sunday school, a Presbyterian Sunday school, where we learned about Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where there was a beginning. So all these years, I had two independent ideas floating in my head. Nirvana, an infinite universe, with Genesis, a finite universe. Well, with this new theory, the multiverse theory, we can combine these two opposite theories into one. You see, our universe had a beginning. Just like the Bible says, our universe had a Genesis. But you see, our universe is a bubble. We live on the skin of the bubble. Bubbles expanding. That's called the Big Bang Theory. But there are other bubbles out there. Universes are being created even as we speak. Stay tuned. We'll have more with Dr. Michio Kaku after traveling through the space-time wormhole known as these ads. Okay, so um, the mind of God, that's my mind. So um, so are you saying that what you do scientifically is kind of also uh, theological? Well, each of these bubble universes has their own physics. The string theory is a theory of all the bubbles. I freaking love bubbles. In other words, a metaphysics. So string theory is actually beyond physics. String theory is a metaphysical theory, a theory of different universes. And so we think that each bubble probably has their own protons, neutrons, electrons, their own laws of physics, and they're different. So imagine for a moment different parallel universes like Twilight Zone. Whoa where you can have different universes in them, or maybe even a copy of our own. Holy shit. And then the next question that I get asked at conferences is, quote, is Elvis Presley still alive in a parallel universe? And the answer is, in some sense, yes. You could be alive in one universe and actually dead in another universe. We're caught in a trap. This is called the Schrodinger cat problem. Cats can be dead in one universe and alive in another universe. That's how crazy this multiverse idea takes you. But hey, get used to it. That's called the quantum theory. Believe it or not, after hundreds of years of the greatest philosophical minds, we now know that of the three, quote, proofs of the existence of God, the only one which still survives today is the cosmological proof. Because then the question is, where did the Big Bang come from? Well, maybe the Big Bang came from a multiverse of bangs. But then where did the multiverse come from? Well, it came from an equation, the God equation. But then when did the, where did the God equation come from? 
You keep on going backwards and backwards and backwards. Now, I have my own point of view. My own point of view is that our universe is unique. That is, you have no choice. Other universes are inconsistent. You know, in our universe, 2 plus 2 equals 4. But other universes are mathematically inconsistent. 2 plus 2 equals 5 in these other universes. And therefore, these other universes are unstable. Unstable, so let's not even talk about them. So our universe is the only one because the laws of physics are stable. We don't fall apart. And that's because 2 plus 2 always equals 4 in our universe. But in other universes, you can prove that 2 plus 2 is 5, and therefore they are inconsistent and they are incorrect. So in that sense, our universe, in some sense, is unique. You also say, again, I'm, I come up all over this book. Uh, one quote is, if we had never encountered God in all our travels in outer space, there is always the chance that God exists in regions we have never explored. Where might I be hiding? Well, this gets back to logic. You cannot disprove a negative. Let me try to disprove the existence of unicorns. You can keep talking, Dr. Kaku. Thank you. Even though I believe that unicorns don't exist, someplace, someplace in a cave, underground, somewhere, there could be a unicorn. So when I say that I have a proof that unicorns do not exist, it's fake. No proof can show that unicorns don't exist. And the same thing with God. Some people who are atheists say there is no God. And, however, how do you prove that? How do you prove a negative? You cannot logically prove a negative because someplace there could be a positive. And that's why St. Thomas Aquinas' proofs of the existence of God, uh, I think, really hit the mark. The only proof that survives today, by the way, is the cosmological proof. There had to be a first mover. Now, because of evolution, we don't necessarily need a first designer. Who designed the first DNA molecule? Who designed the first giraffe? You don't have to answer that question if you believe in evolution. But who set the Big Bang into motion? Why was there a Big Bang? What happened before the Big Bang? Where did that come from? It goes on forever and ever and ever. And so I think St. Thomas Aquinas hit the nail on the head. Hi, Dr. Kaku. <laughs> Joan of Arc here. Uh, God, he... Um, he he stepped away for a second, so let me ask you a question. The Higgs boson, a.k.a. the God particle, when that was discovered a few years ago, I know God was angry. Um, but from your standpoint, did that have the earth-shaking effect people thought it would? I think so. First of all, it was worth a Nobel Prize for the discoverers of the theory. And why do we need a God particle? Why do we need a Higgs boson? Well, you know, at the beginning of time, okay? the Big Bang, the yeah, universe I'm sorry, I'm was like sorry. a crystal. A You're gonna have to ask a question. I know, I'm sorry. Crystal at I'm the just beginning got a little paranoid. But it was unstable. There were quantum fluctuations. It was unstable. There was a crack, a small crack in this crystal. And one day, the crack exploded, giving us the Big Bang. And what was that crack? The crack was the Higgs boson. The Higgs boson, in some sense, was like like the match on a fuse, or the spark that sets off a forest fire. He's so smart. You need a Higgs boson to break the original symmetry. Otherwise, the universe still would be a crystal. We wouldn't have people. We wouldn't have DNA. We wouldn't have uh, uh, the everything we see around us. So that's why we need the Higgs boson. But what equation does the Higgs boson obey? And that's the God equation. 
So in some sense, the Higgs boson was like the tail of a lion. When you see the tail of a lion, you know there's a lion lurking by. All you can see is the tail. That's the Higgs boson, the God particle. So the God equation is the whole shooting match. Everything, everything is described within the God equation. Because we think that at the beginning of time, the universe was whole. It was simple. It was elegant. And then, for reasons we don't understand, the Higgs boson just blew everything apart. So we think that 100% of the universe should be explained in this way. You know, my colleague, the late Stephen Hawking, did not believe in God at all. And you ask him, why didn't he believe in God? Because the Big Bang happened instantly, and there was no time. There was no time to create the universe. God is so busy that there was no time to create the universe. But you see, if we believe in a multiverse, the fact that universes can bump into other bubbles, creating other universes, then there's plenty of time. There was a time before Genesis. And maybe that's where you come in. So whenever you talk about like the universe and quantum mechanics and stuff, you talk about black holes because they're really cool. And like, I know they're really cool. And I frankly didn't think you guys were going to find out so much about them by now. And I'm not necessarily happy that you have, but you have. So just like fill me in in terms of what people like what you know about black holes right now in terms of just the knowledge of them. Well, experimentally now, we see them in outer space. We've actually photographed, photographed the shadow of a black hole in the galaxy M87. In our own backyard, there's a black hole. Tonight, tonight you can see a black hole. Go out into the night sky and look at the constellation Sagittarius. In Sagittarius, that is the center of the Milky Way galaxy. There should be a fireball there. There should be a fireball that outshines the moon every night. Everybody would like this guy, the world would be a better, smarter, happier place. But it would be dull, and I'd like to see shit fucked. It weighs about two to four million times the mass of our sun. It's a gigantic black hole, and in some sense, it's the center of the Milky Way galaxy itself. Now we think that every galaxy probably has a black hole at the center. So black holes could be by the trillions. By the trillions, there could be lots of black holes out there. Now, the big question is, what happens when you fall in? Well, the short answer is, we don't know. But there's one theory is that if you fall into a black hole, you get blown out the other end as a white hole. So a white hole is the other end of a black hole. Between them, there's a bridge called the Einstein-Rosen bridge. And what does it look like? It looks like the looking glass of Alice. Remember Alice in Wonderland? Alice would stick her hand through the looking glass and her hand would wind up on the other side of the universe in Wonderland. That is a wormhole. So it's a theory, but the theory says that maybe, just maybe there could be a white hole at the other end of a black hole. And some people even claim that this sounds like the Big Bang. Maybe the Big Bang started off as a white hole. All this is theoretical. Better question to me about what would happen if you approach the black hole would be like, what the hell are you doing in a black hole? You know, you're going to die. I mean, why would anybody want to like do that? Like to me, it's just not, it's just not worth it. Like I'm God and I'm telling you, like there's plenty of good things you can still do on Earth, like there's museums and shopping and nice areas. And like the Grand Canyon is still like awesome. Why would you 
Like, why would you want to fall into a black hole? Well, the short answer is, uh, why climb a mountain? Well, because they're there, right? It's a challenge. But you see, at the center of the black hole, that's where Einstein's equations break down. That's where things get very interesting. We love to look at equations which eventually break down. Einstein's theory has worked fantastically for the last uh, century or so, but we know eventually they too will break down. You need a higher theory, the God equation. So we want to know where Einstein's theory breaks down and where is that? The center of a black hole. Now, what does, what does Einstein's theory predict? It predicts that when you go through a black hole, at the very center, there's a ring, a ring of neutrons rotating very rapidly. If you fall through the ring, you wind up on another universe. That is Alice's looking glass. So at the very center of a black hole, there's a ring. You fall through the ring, you wind up in another universe. Now, what's controversial is maybe you wind up backwards in time. That there is a solution which shows that when you go through the ring, you wind up in the past, which means that perhaps you can alter the past. Now, that's a crazy idea. Because if you go back into the past and kill yourself before you're born, how can you be born if you just killed yourself before you're born? Physics, in some sense, also has a death warrant for the entire universe. The universe is expanding, it's getting colder and colder. One day it'll hit near absolute zero. And at that point, the universe will die. The universe will consist of black holes, neutron stars, dead stars, be totally black. That, of course, is trillions of years from now. That's totally true. And the heat death of the universe trillions of years from now is going to be really bad. But at the same time, it's I don't think anybody needs to cancel their mortgage or anything, because like a hundred trillion years from now is a long time, even for me. And like I transcend time. So just imagine how long that must like it's. Yeah, it's a while. But that's where I think wormholes come in. I think that trillions of years from now, we'll be so advanced that we'll have the power of a god. And as the universe dies, as the universe reaches the freezing point, I think we'll deliberately create a wormhole, escape to a parallel universe, a universe that is warmer, a universe that we can also mess up just like we messed up this universe. So we'll have another universe to play with at the end of time. You've kind of beaten around the bush a little bit about it, but I'm God. I'm going to ask you directly. Do you believe in me? Well, I believe in the God of Einstein. Not the God that you pray for, for that bicycle at Christmas, or you want to smite the Philistines, or you want revenge against your rivals. I don't believe that God cares too much about what we want for Christmas. However, I think I believe in the God of Einstein and Spinoza. The God of order, beauty, simplicity. It didn't have to be this way. The universe could have been messy. The universe could have been chaotic. The universe could have been a bunch of subatomic particles of no particular importance. But here we are. Stable, conscious matter, capable of self-contemplation. So it didn't have to be that way, but here we are. So Einstein thought that the universe was like a library, a gigantic library, and he was like a little boy going into the library, taking out volume one, first paragraph, first page, and that's all he could read. And that's where we are today. 
The universe is this vast library just waiting for little children to come and play and discover the laws of the universe. Well, Dr. Kaku, I want to thank you for stopping by for this perfectly normal interview. That was like every other interview. And I just want to let you know that for me, the God equation is me equals MK squared, because the me is God and the MK squared is Michio Kaku squared. Whoa. That's you. My pleasure. <laughs> well, that's our show. Thanks again to the brilliantly insightful Dr. Michio Kaku, author of the new book, The God Equation, for coming by to discuss the theory of everything. I didn't have the heart to tell him that when I created the universe, I really had no theory of everything in mind. I was just making shit up. Until next week, Godbye. Godcast is a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Alex Ramsey, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and David Jabberbaum. Original music by Gabe Lopez. Joan of Arc appears courtesy of Tara Sands. For more original podcasts, visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For ad-free episodes and exclusive bonus content from this show and others, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. And if you haven't already, remember to follow God on Twitter at The Tweet of God. Forever!